Welcome to the Talk of Sykeston. I'm Glenn Cantrell. And, you know, the month of October, we did this whole, like, uh, local musicians thing. And I'm extending it one more weekend so I could talk to this young lady. Um, and if you're from Southeast Missouri, you've been around Southeast Missouri, no doubt you've heard her name because she is all over Southeast Missouri and beyond. Uh, she's been around for a while, singing since she was really young. And I'm really excited to uh, to have her on. So joining us today on the Talk of Sykeston is Maggie Thorne. And Maggie, thank Thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me, Glenn. I really, really appreciate it. So let's just talk about, um, let's just start from the beginning. Like, when when did you really start to take to music and, um, you know, start singing and, and, like, listening to it and that sort of thing? Well, I honestly, I mean, I've always loved music. Ever since I could talk, I was singing. And I've always been brought up in church and sang in church all growing up, and when I hit my teenage years, I started to learn how to play the guitar, and my dad taught me how to play, and I really started taking music more seriously, started writing music, started recording music. I started performing out live um, and singing country music, as well as just really starting to take it more seriously and wanting to do it as a career. So what? Let's start with the the gravitation toward country music. No, well, actually, let me just step back for a second because your dad is is a is a musician. But was he, am I correct? Was he like in a band or something in his younger years? Yes, he was. So he traveled around and opened up for some really big names back in the eighties and early nineties before I came along. Oh, so you stunted the career of your of your dad? Is that I stunted his career and made him join me? Yeah. Um, it, he he got to do a lot of really cool things in his band called Southbound, and then whenever he got married and came home uh, from the road, and they had me, um, he got to pick that career back up, and he's been like my duo partner since I was sixteen probably even a little bit before then, but I started doing it like for a full-time job whenever I turned 16, and we've been traveling and singing together ever since. Is, is that really kind of the biggest, one of the biggest influences for you as far as gravitating toward music, you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 100%. My mom sings, my grandmother sang um, when she was alive, and my dad is a wonderful musician, and he is my definitely my biggest influence in music. Yeah, still travels around with you, right? Still plays for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what was it about country music that you gravitated to? And I, I and I got to tell you, I talked, uh, spoke to a young man last week that I've known for a long time, and his gravitation went a totally different direct, direction than yours um, when it comes to his music preference. What was it about country music that really appealed to you? I feel like country music tells a good story. I gravitate towards a lot of the singer-songwriter type country music, um, not necessarily um, like the catchy country music as much as like, I like Dolly Parton, Loretta Lynn, Patsy Cline, um, a lot of that really traditional country music is what pulls me to country music because I really like sitting on the porch and listening to a good story. So let's talk about that for a second because I, I've I've told people kind of uh, jokingly but somewhat seriously I've turned into my dad because I remember there was a moment when like the rodeo would announce country stars coming in and my dad would have no idea who they are and I just talk about you know oh it's not country music anymore and I, and I feel the exact same way like I, I feel do. like country music today is is really 
in my opinion, just really pop music that people have taken and thrown in a few little steel guitars or, or a fiddle or something. Um, but I also feel like there's this, the, there's a pendulum swing, and I kind of feel like that old feel country music may be coming back. I really hope so. I hope you're right, because I feel like a lot of the newer bands that are getting more attention over the last couple of years, like Midland and a couple other ones, um, I, like, I really like Tyler Childers, but he is he doesn't get played on country music radio, but he is becoming super popular in that like older style or more uh, more traditional sound is starting to come back, and I'm pumped. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, Luke Combs is one of my, one of the guys that I've yeah, really started Luke to like a really lot. Good too, yes. Yeah, and it's not just his music, but his personality and and how he presents yeah. himself on stage is really really nice to see compared to what we have been seeing. Um, I, I know. There's a duo that recently broke up, and I'm like totally cool with it because I don't have to listen to that music anymore. But uh, I I love country music, and I really like you. Kind of love that uh, the, the Loretta Lynn and the Merle Haggard and the Waylon yes. Jennings and that kind of stuff. And I am excited that it it hopefully is making a comeback. Do you kind of model? Because I know you you still write songs and stuff. Do you kind of that's your model? That's where you want to so kind of stay on. I I write like all over the spectrum as far as like uh, some of my songs come out really bluesy some of them come out really country um some of them come out more traditional country so more like the bluegrass traditional country some of them come out sounding like a loretta lynn song and then like i've had a couple songs come out that sound like a sarah evans or shania twain so like that 90s country style music um i don't necessarily like shoot for a genre when i write a song i just try to tell a, a really honest story um and whatever music kind of comes to mind is is where i go with it so what directs that i guess would, would be the next question as you, you I, would, I assume you write the lyrics and then you're gonna put music to it well see i write really interesting um compared to a lot of people some people write the music first and then the lyrics next some people write the lyrics first and then the music next but for whatever reason when i write a song like i hear it in my head all at once wow so as you're going through the lyrics you the tune is also in your head and directing you yes wow that is interesting i've not heard that before yes i i hear it all at once like i and I will visualize it all at once. So, like, I can even visualize what I want that music video or anything to look like as I'm writing that song. It's like a whole creative process for me. So how many songs, because you've been writing since you were young. I mean, you still are young, but yeah. you know what I mean, younger. <laughs> uh, uh, what? I am 28. Yeah. I'm 28. I'm not 30 yet, so I'm still young. You're still young. Yes, you are. Trust me. Um, but wh- how many songs do you think you've written over the years? Mm, I don't know. Probably a couple hundred. Some, you know, like ideas just die because they don't they don't come out all at once, and I don't ever revisit them. But there's only been probably forty or fifty songs that I've written that I actually like, and I have taken it all the way to the end of the song. You know, completed the song. Um, I'm not somebody that writes constantly all the time i i write when i'm inspired when i find something that inspires me or something a feeling hits me or a a word hits me then i will take it and i'll run with it and i usually write a song like it doesn't take me months and months and months to finish an idea when something comes to my mind i usually finish it that day 
Wow. So is it really kind of like uh, something in the census grabs you, like something you hear, something you see, or yes. whatever, yes. and that just kind of takes you yeah. wherever it goes? Mm-hmm. The last song I wrote uh, was in September, and I wrote it. It's called Sandcastles in September. And I wrote it sitting on the beach of Wapapola Lake, watching my babies make sandcastles in the middle of September with the leaf changing in the background. And I wrote the whole song in the you know 45 minutes we were there. Wow. Do you ever just wake up in the morning and go, oh my gosh, I got a, had a dream, I got a song, I got a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, most of the time my uh, songs are uh, like inspired by real life things that either happen to me or family or friends or something that I've seen you know, in the news or something that has truly like impacted me as a person. But um, a lot of times, yeah, you want to write a song about a dream. <laughs> Most of my songs are true, though. I can't even I can't even name a song that I've written that was just like a completely made up idea. So there was I remember watching American Idol once, and there was a young lady who had an incredible voice. Um, but the thing that they really pointed to with her was they weren't feeling her when she sang because she was just it was so effortless basically, and they were looking for the feeling. Does that help that you write those songs and they come from personal experiences when you're sing you know to sing the song in a way that it needs to be sung? I think so, and that's how I am, especially like if I cover a song, I only pick songs to cover that I can connect to in some way, and people do say that when they come out and see me live, they're like, I thought you wrote Jolene, well, I didn't, but you know, um, Dolly did, but it's just, I I try to sing cover songs that I can also connect to, because I don't ever want to stand on stage or stand up in front of people and sing a song that doesn't mean something to me. Yeah, and that's a great thing about those songs, too. And I think, that, again, going back to that old type of country music, that it's it's really kind of easy to feel connections to because they all, they're all they all stories and true stories that we all relate to. Yes. So how is it – so you, you write all these songs, and you said that there are some songs you just you don't – you just put down and you don't go back to. Like, I mean, there, there's not a song that you – like we're truffling, you know, shuffling through some papers one day and picked up, and you're like, oh, you know what? Maybe this can go in this direction or that direction. Maybe I can polish this up a little bit. Yeah, I do do that sometimes. And we're actually in the process of recording. We're going to record another album this winter. And uh, there has been, I went back through some notebooks and polished up some stuff and actually revisited some ideas that I've had in the past. And we still have to sit down, my dad and I, and also the production team have to sit down and just, I'm sorry, and just um, polish up the songs, polish up the production of them. Um, most of the ideas that I had that like I didn't like or I didn't want to run with, I still don't like. So I'm just kind of <laughs> polishing up the ones that I have finished, but I haven't revisited. I haven't been singing out live, but I want to record. And your dad's a big part of, of that, too, the production part. Yeah. Yeah, he. Lo- I mean, that's his thing. He loves to produce music and to come up with licks and li- and different lyrics, as well as like what kind of instrumentation we can use. And he plays like any instrument with a string. So we really don't have to spend a lot of money um, getting different musicians because he can play everything from a cello to a bass guitar to a steel to uh, um, yeah, just. I mean, I'm I'm in a dobro, but. 
he can play everything that wow. you could think of. Well, that's awesome. That's like having a doctor in the family. It hey. is. It's nice. And so we are able to sit down and produce a song, and he can pick up a multiple instruments, including like the mandolin and stuff, and add in a lot of those production notes that we want. There's something that you said earlier that I, I want to kind of go back to, because I, I spoke with someone a couple of weeks ago about this exact same thing, and you mentioned singing in church. And um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of pointed out, because our kids uh, sang in church, too, and our, our daughter um, still does, uh, where she lives and helps lead uh, worship in her church. And um, how valuable was that for you to be able to sing in front of people at church, and how did that help you with what you do now? I feel like it's totally invaluable. Like, it's something that I could never replace with anything else or any other experience. But being able to pick a song that I could connect with, that I could connect with God, and get up in front of people and really sing my heart out or worship with God and be able to just actually perform, too. Some people get up and just worship or close their eyes and just sing their song. But I was able to practice at a really young age, just getting up in front of people and getting comfortable with singing in front of people without being nervous. And that, to me, was life-changing because it really impacted my confidence level when I decided to perform full-time. And that is so important, right? That confidence level. When you know, it's one thing to sing at home by yourself or in the mm-hmm. studio, but when you put yourself in front of people, it's a totally different experience. It is. And I could never like I love I always had the biggest support from my church family inside church and outside of church whenever I sang. And so I could never ever replace that. It was just it was really life altering for me to be able to sing growing up in church. Now, you have had some really neat experiences, and I want to touch on one uh, real quick. You mentioned your dad having some. You've had some, too. And I think the the, the one thing that um, you would have to say was actually getting to go to New York and uh, be on the Craig Kilborn show. Yeah, so I actually filmed it out in California. Oh, wow. And so that was super big for my confidence level as I was a 15 year old kid I actually had just turned 16 and I won the Mid-South Fair at 15 and I won the opportunity to go out to California and interview in front of CBS Studios and when I interviewed they asked me to be on the Craig Ferguson show and I said yes so I stayed over a couple more days and I was able to film and sing on the Craig Ferguson show at just 16 years old and that was that was one of the highlights of my career, obviously. So it was really, really cool. And it's still on YouTube if you want to check it out. I'm just a little baby on there doing it. <laughs> yeah, I got two things wrong. It was L.A., not New York. I, I always thought it was in New York, but That's Craig okay. Ferguson, not Kirk Kibble. I New York, too. But, yeah, it was actually in L.A. Wow. And, and how does – having that experience at such a young age, I mean, 15, 16 years old, first off, you, you win the competition. That within itself is, is huge for you. But then to go out and, and experience, uh, I guess what I would say, entertainment business in that way, uh, how, how uh, did that experience help you to continue on in where you are today? Well, it really showed me uh, what the – the music business and the, it, it was also just like reality TV show type business because I also had the opportunity to um, interview for America's Got Talent and some other things while I was out there. And I got to really see the ins and outs 
of where I wanted to take my career versus where I wasn't sure yet. And I'm still unsure with the way that the music industry and then also like the talent shows play into the, I don't know, trajectory of somebody's career. I never personally wanted to be like Miranda Lambert or Carrie Underwood. Carrie Underwood won American Idol. And she's one of the only ones that I could think of that was actually on a show like that and has like completely surpassed um, being recognized just by American Idol. Like she's a really wonderful musician and a really wonderful performer. And so being that young and doing something like that, really gave me the confidence I needed to be able to do anything I wanted, whether that was just being my own personal musician and not signing a record deal, as well as being confident enough that I have went into lots of meetings and sang in front of people and given it my all and being confident with the answer no sometimes and knowing that that may not be for me, but there will be other opportunities for me. It is interesting when you look at the music business, and I don't, I, I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think the music business has changed. I think how they may get to the end result has changed, but the, the end result is still the same on how they really do things. But I kind of feel like Internet and all the different apps and all the different social media stuff is really changing the game, too, because we're seeing musicians that are coming along who who get notoriety off the Internet, not because they're signed to a big label. Yes. So that has completely changed. Anybody who wants to become like a TikTok star or popular on social media with their music can become popular overnight overnight and then those television shows and those record labels are reaching out to you versus you going and having a meeting with them and having to set up a meeting with them back when I start I mean the amount that the music business has changed from my perspective I mean it's changed like done a 180 in just the 15 years that I've been in the music business and I personally am not as tech savvy as some of the younger generations that are coming into the music business are right now and so i um i like the the older way of you know go traveling around and going to the different radio stations and that that kind of stuff just doesn't happen anymore there's not even cd players in people's cars anymore and so it's all streaming and it's all um it's all kind of up to you you don't have to have a record label to become really popular on spotify yeah, great point, by the way. No cars come with CD players anymore, and I wish someone yeah. would tell Garth Brooks that so we can finally get some music streaming so I can listen to them, because I can't even listen to them anymore, because nobody has CD players anymore. I and, know. and it's all on computer, it's all emailed or uh, whatever, because the radio's changed a lot, too. I mean, there's no yeah. CD players in a radio station anywhere, no record players, it's all on computer, and uh, it has really, really changed a lot yeah, over the years. When I started my career, I'm sorry, when I started my career, I um, I did travel around to radio stations and take my CD, and they played it, you know, right there in front of me. And mm-hmm. to know that today, I, I there's no point. When I record this record this winter, there's there's really no point in printing out CDs except for nostalgia, um, because I'm not going to be sending them or mailing them to radio stations because they can't play it. Um, I'm not going to be selling them at shows because people don't have CD players. I just have to rely on the fact that people will like me enough that 
they will go and stream my music and people will um, enjoy my music enough that they'll recommend it to different you know, radio stations and things like that. You travel around. You're just not in Southeast Missouri. I mean, you're you're all over the place. I think Minnesota, yeah. right? You go up there sometimes, and down in Arkansas, yeah. maybe or Memphis. So we travel. Um, we have not traveled as much since the pandemic in 2020, but that's just because um, I had two kids, and it's just it's just now ramping back up and getting more normal as far as concerts and things like that. But we travel all the way to Wisconsin. We travel all the way down to Alabama. We travel all the way um, over to, like, West Virginia and Maryland area. We really pretty much stay in the Midwest. But we go Kentucky, Tennessee, Illinois, um, Arkansas. All of these Midwestern states is where we um, we still keep Missouri as, like, our centrally located place where we travel from. You mentioned two kids. you got two adorable uh, kids. Um, Thank you. Thank uh, you. How how do you do it? Like, how are you able to do all this and still, um, you know, be a mom? I love the opportunity that doing music gives me. It gives me the opportunity to stay home during the week with my kids pretty much 24-7. And most of the places that I play gives me the opportunity to bring them with me because of my mom. Without my mom and my dad, I would not be able to do what I do and balance being a mom and being in the music business or any kind of job that I want to do. But without them, I wouldn't be able to travel and to sing and do the things that I want to do. They have been my number one supporters from the beginning. And so I, um, I'm just really thankful for them because because of them, I can stay home during the week. I can keep my kids, raise my kids. And then when the weekend comes, like this weekend, I have three shows, two out of the three, I'm taking my kids with me. And one out of the three, my husband's staying home with them. That's a good man. Good man. Mm-hmm. Just to stay home with the kids. Mm-hmm. Hey, real quick, where can people find out more about where you're going to be? So you can always find my full calendar and anything you want to know about me on MaggieThorne.com. And I also have social media on Facebook and Instagram. And I post on there where I'm going to be playing and what times and things like that. Maggie, again, I am so thankful that we were able to get you on and uh, get this done. I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, one of these days, I'm going to be free, my family and I, so we can come watch you sing. So I, I love listening to Thank you. Thank you. And uh, so glad you are able to come on. And uh, anytime you come on. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right, Maggie Thorne, we thank her for being on the show. We thank you for being with us, too. We'll see you next weekend on the Talk of Sykeston. I'm Glenn Cantrell.